0: This episode is brought to you by Miro, the online collaborative whiteboard where distributed product teams get work done. Go from idea to execution using pre built Kanban boards, sticky notes, and retrospectives all on an infinite canvas. Learn more and try Miro for free. Visit Miro.com to get started. That's M I R O.com. Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. Hello, everyone. Yeah. So I'll be presenting on the topic experimentation and product management. I mentioned this as part one. Uh, I hope if there is a more interest in the, in this topic so we can have further uh, parts for this session as well. So as product managers, we focus a lot on, on uh, inventing and doing things which we are not sure about. And the only way that we can uh, leap into the unknown or uh, do things which are not sure about is by experimenting. And our very famous product manager Jeff Bezos also agrees with us. So, uh, so, so in terms of so, what will be the ROI of spending your next thirty minutes on this session? What will be your key takeaways that you can take, a, that you can benefit uh, by listening to this session in the next thirty minutes? Uh, first, so as a as a PM, why should you run experiments? Why why, why not just launch features? So the key takeaway should, for you would be why should is a PM on experiments and how long should I run experiments for? One of the biggest costs for running experiments is the time it takes to reach a scientifically valid conclusion. So I will uh, lay stress and help you re- realize and understand how long you should run experiments for to reach a valid conclusion. And then once you have got some numbers, you've got some metrics, how should you interpret those results and take low risk decisions? So let's jump straight away into the session, and hopefully you will spend the next 30 minutes of your time into something meaningful. So first, why do we run experiments? Um, as, as a premise, I, I assume most of you would have heard, uh, correlation is not causation. So we have heard this multiple times. W- what we see is that there is phenomena one, and there is something as phenomena two. So you see that you have changed the color of your Buy Now button from uh, blue to red. And you see that there is maybe an increase in conversions that has happened during that time. But can you confidently say that the increasing conversion has been caused only because of the change in color? There can be multiple other things that could have been happening at that point of time. So experimentation, running a scientifically-guided experiment is the only way through which you can establish causality, the very high confidence and very high probability. So in order to establish a, a very clear reason of change, you need to run experiments. Another uh, big reason for running experiments is to detect small changes. As you scale in product management, as you, as you work on products which are being used by millions of users, it's very hard to detect small improvements. And running valid, scientifically-valid experiments is the only way to detect these small changes. And the third and often underestimated and underappreciated fact uh, why you should run experiments is to detect uh, surprising changes or or side effects. So throughout my career, I have run many experiments where I have seen uh, some metrics to change which I never anticipated. I made some change in the search results page, and suddenly my category navigation page visits dropped. And uh, ultimately I dig deep and found it was actually a result because of my experiment. So there are there a are number of unexpected changes that can happen and running valid scientific experiment is the only way to detect these unexpected changes. So now jump st- now let's jump straight into the overall. why What is the scientific method and how should we uh, run these experiments valid? In a, in a scientific manner. So these are some basic steps. You should have, you should ask the right question uh, do some background research and have a very clear hypothesis or idea about what you are going to change and what is going to impact. Then you run, test your hypothesis with an experiment, you analyze your data and you make your decision. So these are some very basic valid steps uh, that you should follow while running experiments. The devil is in the details. So let's dive straight into the details. So uh, I, wanted, I want to share this case study, which is uh, an, a, a real life experiment that I ran my, during my exper- experience in Snapdeal. And I won't be sharing the exact real numbers, but it will give you an idea about what I wanted to do and what we're, how should you run valid scientific experiments. So the insight that I had, was that users who use suggested searches during searching uh, converted 2.5x times more than users who do not. So there was a clear uh, idea for us that if we increase the usage of auto-suggest, or we will be increasing our conversion rate, which is one of the primary KPIs that product managers care for. E-commerce product managers would do anything for getting improvements in conversion rates. So our hypothesis was, Introducing autocomplete for searches will improve auto suggest usage. And then a null hypothesis: we introduce autocomplete for searches will have no impact on auto suggest usage. Now, what is this null hypothesis? So, in traditional hypothesis testing, we have this concept of null hypothesis, which means, which is basically a way to say that whatever changes we make, assume that they will be there is a way to say that it will have no impact, no effect. And then what we do is we investigate whether this is true or not. In these times of COVID-19, we, would be, we are hearing more and more about impacts of drugs uh, and, test, and impacts of how drugs are being tested on various uh, users. So this is, the topic is uh, most relevant at this point of time. So, so, we, so we have this null hypothesis, and we then investigate if this is true or not. So, hypotheses are either right or wrong. So, we either reject or accept the null hypothesis during a test. There can be a case of new, uh, like inconclusive result as well, which we will uh, cover in the next session. We have to go into more details to cover that. So now, I share with you some numbers. Let's uh, product managers love numbers, so let's have let's dig deep into this so i have run this experiment for 3 days and i have these numbers so i have i have these three success metrics i, I know for users who were in control these are the numbers users users who were in treatment these are the metrics and I, and i have run it for 3 days should we decide should we take a decision and launch this to 100% of the users or not well Uh, We don't have, what should we do? I believe, so at this point of time, there are two types of mistakes that we can make. We can either reject a true null hypothesis or we can accept a false null hypothesis. In science, statistics, these two errors are called as false positives or type 1 error or false negatives or type 2 errors. How should we avoid these? So to avoid false positives, we have a concept called significance level. And in general scientific practice, we generally use 5% as a significance level. What it means is that if our null hypothesis is true, we would see a statistically significant result one in 20 times. So if we we see a very significant result we can, we can say that it's, it is it, it is a very surprising and significant change. And in that case, the change in the primary metric was caused by the change made by us. So we prove causality b- because of this. And that is one of the basic premise of running experiments. So how should we prove causality? How should we say uh, that if our experiment had this significance level or not? So now, if, if, if I just have these numbers, I cannot say with confidence anything. So I add, give you some more information. I, so I introduce this concept of p-value, which is uh, what indicates significance levels. And I tell you these, these values of the p-value. And delta is something which indicates what was the change in these metrics. So, I tell you that there was this this much change with a p value of two percent three percent and seven percent and as we had uh, studied earlier, we used the significance level of five percent so any p value less than five percent indicates that this change is statistically significant. that means we are uh, we have detected a surprising change and we and that proves that the the delta impact has been caused due to the change that we made in autocomplete. So should we launch at this point of time? Well, we have detected that there is some effect in a target matrix, which has been caused by experiment. However, is this change of practical importance? Have we exposed this experiment to enough set of users? Do we know whether this delta is of practically importance or not or whether this is too low too high uh, we still have some level of uncertainty some level of risk that is not acceptable in a scientifically valid experiment so what should we do uh, so we have this con- another significance levels often pocket and twin comes to our rescue which is the concept of power analysis power analysis limits false negatives what it does it helps us, uh, the concept tells us that how, mu- how long should you run an experiment on and what should be the sample size or the number of users your experiment should be exposed to so that you can be reasonably confident in, your, in the decisions that you make and, uh, and you are aware that the effect that you have seen with your experiment uh, is of practical importance. Uh, We can go into some more details about what is power, why is it more important into the next session. But as of now, what I want to focus is that this concept of power analysis helps limits false negatives and improves our accuracy of our experiment decisions. So uh, generally, we do this analysis before starting an experiment. We have this concept of a minimum detectable effect for for a metric. We can choose any minimal effect. We can use historical values of the effects that have been caused by uh, those metrics. And then we do a power analysis, which gives us the required number of users our experiment should be exposed to to get a state where our experiment is ready for decision. So now I tell you this value. Uh, We know the values of control and treatment. We know the delta. My experiment has run for eight days, and I also have run my power analysis. and It indicates, the power analysis indicates that my experiment is ready for decision. The p-values are all less than 5%. So yes, hooray, we have reached the state for ready to launch. We have detected a real impact on our success metrics, and which can be safely assumed to have been caused by experiment. So we recommend running experiments uh, for at least seven days or like one complete week's weekly cycle so to, to also compensate for seasonal changes. Well, we, we have seen in most e-commerce as well as any, any digital platforms, traffic varies throughout the week, the, num- the types of users varies throughout the week. So a safe runtime period for an experiment is at least seven days, a complete weekly cycle. You do a power analysis before starting an experiment and you calculate p-values. So at, when you do all these calculations, you reach this state, it, now your experiment is ready for a decision and then you can, based upon the metrics that you see, you can either add, for this experiment, these set sort of numbers, it's safe safe to say that we can ready to launch and we can launch this feature to 100% of our users and it is, it's a success. But many times uh, the numbers are not this this could, they can be sometimes metrics increase, decrease. So we'll have to take decisions up accordingly. But the concepts of calculating p values ready for decisions are the same for all the experiments, and it's absolutely critical for running a scientifically valid experiment. So that's it. That's a summary. Uh, and indeed, we make decisions through experiments. We run experiments to explore hypotheses. And I definitely recommend you to avoid these two, two types of errors by like calculating p values and doing power analysis and learning experiments for required duration. I uh, just wanted to uh, some, like end this session uh, by this uh, statement where uh, my true belief is that experiments don't fail. Even if you decide not to roll out, all experiments teach us new things and is a success. So hopefully you you like this session, you you find this session valid uh, and useful. And if yes, then there are some other details that we can cover up in a follow-up session later, uh, where we can cover common biases to watch out for in experimentation, how to plan and run experiments effectively, what metrics to choose and not to choose for experiments, how to calculate confidence intervals, and how to take experiment decisions in case of in conclusive evidence. This episode was brought to you by Miro, the online collaborative whiteboard where distributed product teams get work done. Go from idea to execution using pre-built Kanban boards, sticky notes and retrospectives, all on an infinite canvas. Learn more and try Miro for free. Visit Miro.com to get started. That's m-i-r-o.com. Thank you for listening to the product podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.